everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 96 of the Real Life Runners podcast. How fast does your coach need to be? Do they need to be faster than you? Is it helpful if they can train with you? What if you are faster than your coach's personal records? Does that actually affect their status or authority as your coach? All of this and more on today's episode. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so lately this has been something that I've been thinking of. Actually, it's more than lately, but you no, know. No, you've had this for a while, but this was a great idea for a podcast topic, yeah. I think. I think that this is something that has been on my mind for a lot of years, but recently when I'm looking on Instagram and I'm trying to reach out and meet new people and make connections, I look at people's profiles and a lot of the runners on Instagram, a lot of the coaches on Instagram, they have like their own personal records in their profile. They'll say, you know, I ran this many marathons, I ran this many half marathons, this is my PR for this distance. And it just got me thinking like how important is it for you for anyone, for the, for your coach to be faster than you, like is that a qualifying factor when you choose a coach? Yeah, I uh, I've got a couple of perspectives as as both coach and teacher because I've certainly had students in my class that they might not have known the concept as much as I did, but once I was able to sort of give them the basic of it, they could take it and move faster than I could. Oh, like those physics like studs, the super physics yeah. people that I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you don't understand the very basic yet. Cause no one's ever explained that to you. But yeah. once I've got that, you're able to take that places that I can't, I've had kids for years that can crush me in arithmetic mm-hmm. where they're just, they're so fast at times tables. Yeah. or or even just adding yeah. that they, they destroy me. And it just hasn't phased me from that end. But mm-hmm. when you try to take it to a running end, you know, before we hit the record button, we kind of had a real interesting conversation about this. We did. Some nuances to it here. Well, there's a lot of nuance to it, you know. And I think the answer is different for everyone. I think that... You know, for some people, they definitely want a coach that is faster than them, like without a doubt. That's that is a qualifying factor in choosing a coach. And then for others, they might not care and they might not even know what their coach is capable of. Depending on whether or not they posted it on their Instagram profile. Right, exactly. So you, can, you can certainly judge people of whether there's numbers posted inside of those. You know, as people who've we listened to the... We don't judge. Well, as people who've listened to the podcast <laughs> repeatedly, I don't need to know your race PR. I just yeah. need a picture of your calves. That's pretty much... <laughs> I don't get it. Well, you said that's how you evaluate your competition on the starting line, right? You know it. <laughs> so, you know, I think that this is very interesting. I think because one of the things that went into my head when thinking about this topic is obviously we coach people, right? And so I have no problem whatsoever coaching people that are slower than me. Like people, if I know that I have a faster PR, I have no problem coaching people because I feel like I have experience. I have a lot of knowledge. I obviously have a doctorate in physical therapy. Like I can help you with strengthening and injury prevention and all of these things. But then when coaching people that are as fast as me or faster than me, I feel like I just, I don't have the same level of comfort. And then there's all, there's, there's also coaching the high school team. Right. So like when 
we, when I first started coaching cross country with you, when you asked me to coach, I was like, I, I can't coach cross country. I, I've never, I didn't run cross country. Like I hated running. What do you, uh, what am I doing coaching cross high school cross country? <laughs> I have a herd of girls. Yeah. I need somebody to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the first couple years, that's part of the reason that I really took a back role. Like I was not involved with the team really. I was doing all the administrative stuff. Right. I did a lot of, you know, just the back end. Yeah, you did a lot of, of the like managerial, like right. booking hotels and figuring out the timelines and stuff, and, but, and communicating with parents and and all of that. But right, which also needs to get done. Totally, but the team improved substantially once you did more communicating with the team and yeah. less communicating with the team parents. Right. Well, not less. I still <laughs> I still communicate with them, but right. But where you started prioritizing right. your own communication with the actual team. Right. And actually being a coach. Yes. You know, like <laughs> actually coaching. accepting my role as the coach of the girls. You know, I mean, technically we're both, we're, you know, coaching both the girls and the boys, but I, I do feel like I'm more connected to the girl side. Yes. And you to the, to the guy's side. Yes. Um, but I think it, it did take me a while, and I think that brings up the whole concept of imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, um, so that's something I think we should talk about. But first, let's let's talk about you, okay? Let's talk oh, about you. Oh, goodies. Yay. I love talking about me. <laughs> well, you better. We're on a <laughs> podcast together. So let's first talk about personal experience, because I think that we kind of jumped into me a little too soon, but... That's all good. That's all good. Okay, so let's go. Um, let's, let's backtrack and talk about your experience with your coaches. Like, since you grew up as a runner... You grew up running cross country in high school. Then you went off and ran cross country in college, and then you, you know, now run post collegiately. How has your experience been with your coaches? What kind of coaches did you have? Like, were they faster than you? But the nice part about post collegiately is that I always have the same PR as my coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's yourself, which is convenient. That's cute. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, but when I first started, my coach. Um, was very well established and you know I'd gone through grade school where the coaches tended to be like parents and getting to high school was the first time where the coach was just like the coach of the team it wasn't the coach of the team and also that kid's dad Mm -hmm. like he happened to be the dad of one of the kids on the team who was like two or three years older but he'd been coaching there for years Mm -hmm. like he's in like I'm, I'm thoroughly confident he's in the California Hall of Fame as a as a running coach yeah but his background was as a sprinter he was a quarter miler okay like a phenomenal quarter miler Mm -hmm. who then got into coaching and then moved into the cross-country side and learned all of this background so no one questioned that because he'd been doing it so long right but his background was a sprinter his background was a sprinter he did he was never a distance runner right yeah and then he figured out how to how to coach throwing and he was very good at coaching he was very good at at explaining all of these concepts and taking it down to a level that was not overwhelming for like 14, 15, 16 year old boys Mm -hmm. where it was like, um, I don't need to know all the details. Just tell me what to do. And Mm -hmm. then there's also kids on the team that wanted to know why we were doing that. And he had, he had a very good way about explaining it to everybody Mm -hmm. on a team that was pretty sizable. Um, he just, he had a very good control and we all just accepted that he knew what he was doing. But at the same time, he always had assistants. Mm-hmm. I remember going through three different assistant coaches. My freshman year, there was a like priest novitiate who was in for one year and then headed off to somewhere else, blazing fast. Mm-hmm. And he could outrun anybody that he ran with. He was in charge of the freshmen, so he could outrun this group of 14-year-old boys, which was pretty solid because we're all like five-minute milers. After that, we got some guys who were like, 
in college, post-college, like mid-20s. And as a high school sophomore, where you've got this like 23-year-old guy, one, he looks like the coolest guy in the world. (laughs) Because he's 24, he's graduated college, he's back. He almost seems like he's hanging out with you, because you don't quite have that self-awareness that he's not, (laughs) he's just getting paid for this. But you've got that relationship, and they were always unbelievably fast. Mm -hmm. All of the assistant coaches could crush us. So Hmm. you kind of just accepted that, okay, this is going to be fine because look how fast that guy is. Yeah. So I had both the coach who would, who was established that he knew what he was doing Uh and the assistants who could just drop us in any workout anytime they felt like it. Interesting. So I I had both sides of that. Right. So you always grew up with people that were faster than you, essentially. Yes. Like when you were a young runner, everybody was faster than you. And I think that's, you know, that's also something that you provide for our team. And you you have been providing all along. Like you've been coaching for 13 years now and coming in, like you, you can still go out there and you're pretty much faster than everybody on the team until like there was like what one year that yeah, you weren't couple, that you had like one kid that two, could beat you two years ago there was a kid who finally took me in a workout yeah and i was like oh in a single right, workout go. though but he couldn't beat you in a race no we had established that that there yeah. was no way that he could actually beat me in a race because i could outrace him yeah because you like, had I more just, experience yeah, i had the years on him that i i knew exactly what his weakness was and mm-hmm. i would just exploit it very easily right so but so that makes you kind of like the full package. Like you're the head coach with experience that can still go out and run with all these high school kids and beat them all. Right. So, so you've got like lots of authority in all different directions. Which like you're not at the point yet where you have to hire the super fast <laughs> collegiate kid. All right, kid, come in here and beat my guys. <laughs> yeah, like you can still handle that part I, too. I, I can still actually take yeah. them out. But when I first got into coaching, I was an assistant at my high school. Right. So I got hired on as that kid. Mm-hmm. I got hired on as the post collegiate guy. Hey, come back and make sure that you can beat all these kids. Yeah. Like lead them through workouts and make sure that you can crush them all. And at first you get pushback the same way that when I was a sophomore, the seniors pushed back against the newly hired assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Cause you're like, who's this kid coming in here? Yeah. He's only a few years older than the seniors. They'd been there for four years. They wanted to be the lead of the pack. Yeah. And then this new guy got hired in and they're like, no, 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 we're cooler than him. Everybody just follow us. And there's always pushback when the age gets too close. Yeah. Um, so I got hired in and the freshmen and the sophomores, most of the juniors were on board and there were a couple of seniors that were like, eh, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. And the way that I established authority over them, there was one kid who I was always getting pushback from and he came late to one practice. Mm-hmm. I had run the entire workout, which is like a three mile workout of a whole bunch of repeats with like the top group. And then this kid came late to practice and I ran the entire workout again with him. Mm. And he was like, wait, did you already do this workout? I go, yeah, this is this is round two. And after that practice, all the seniors were on board. <laughs> so on that, in that case, in order to get them to actually accept it, I needed to actually have the speed over them. Yeah. Because I was, I was too close in age to them at that time. Mm-hmm. That they didn't think that I had any of the background knowledge. Yeah. That... Yeah, you've got some experience of running in college, but can you actually hang with us? We've yeah. been we've been working for three years. What do you have? Mm-hmm. And turns out that I I had enough. Yeah, and I mean that I mean that's cool. And like my experience with running coaches is you, which is <laughs> so, convenient. So that's cool because you're always faster than me, and I will never be as fast as you. So I always think you're the authority, and I also know how much 
you actually know, I, I know your experience level. I know how much you read about this stuff. Like I know that you are an authority figure um, when it comes to running knowledge versus me. Like you, you just know more about running than I do. Right. But there's also times where you'll ask a question like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I don't always have the exact answer because sometimes... Sometimes you just do things out of habit. Yes, and sometimes you do things because they work, and I, there isn't an answer to it. Yeah, and it's one of yeah, the really... you said that was to me before. That's a frustrating answer. You're yes. like, I, I'm doing this because it works, and I'm like, well, why does it work? It doesn't seem like it should work, and you're like, but it does, and I'm like, but how do you know it does? <laughs> because <laughs> I like I tell it's my running year group, after year after year. I tell my running group all the time. I'm like, my husband, I must drive him crazy sometimes because I'm always like, well, why do I have to take this much recovery? Like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? I don't want to do that because your I'm central always... nervous system is not fully adapted to the to the stress that you've put it through and fully adapted to the recovery state. <laughs> right, right. But, I'm just like constantly asking you questions, which I think is good and bad. Like, it can be irritating I'm sure at times but it also makes you second guess not second guess but just think through to make sure that what I'm doing is actually what I want to be doing right and I'm not and you're not just following stuff that your coaches did in the past yeah or not thinking it through like sometimes you ask me like well can I cut that recovery and I look at I'm like okay why is the recovery that long what am I trying to actually access out of this thing no you can't cut the recovery if you want to you can run the interval a little bit faster but I want you to have that much recovery Mm. you know and and so we we can talk about this but it is a frustrating thing, you know, and some of these like very scientific coaching books that I've gone through, the answer is um, coaches have figured out over the last 20 years that this type of workout gets these types of results and scientists have not yet proven why. Yeah. Which is like, what? That That's the answer? <laughs> yeah. Like we know it works because we've seen it work with countless numbers of runners but there's no scientific evidence to back it up. Right, because a lot of the scientific evidence is sort of like they'll do one workout and repeat that workout twice a week for six weeks and Mm -hmm. then try and see what happens. But that's not how any coach ever does it. Mm -hmm. There's so much involved in like all of these workouts and what's the overall weekly mileage and how much sleep were they getting and did nutrition come in before or after or during. There's so much else at play that it's like, well, I'm not sure that this workout exactly gets that result, but I know that when I do this workout, it tends to lead to this a couple of weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you've learned from a lot of really great coaches throughout your career. Like, how, how would you say that you've developed as a coach as well? Because, I mean, you have had these amazing mentors, like both in high school and then running in a Division One collegiate program. Yeah. I mean, my coach, my high school coach was is in the California Hall of Fame, my College coach who is like all Big East coach of the year multiple times. Right. Um, he'd coached, I think, 30 some years by the time he retired. Yeah. Like these guys just, they knew their stuff. Well, and then even afterwards, even when you started coaching cross country in high school, like you were the head coach, but one of the parents that, of, of the athletes was a, a great mentor to you as well. Right. Who you know, he was unbelievable he was a runner coach. in his own right. He was an unbelievable runner, like Olympic trial qualifier. So he had experienced all sorts running at all levels. And then he was also a coach also like he had coached cross country for years too. Yes. And then he was, he was kind of a mentor for you as well. Yeah. He was giving me all sorts of wisdom. Um, to help I've, coach his daughter better. To help coach his daughter. <laughs> and he was so 
he was so good about it yeah. of not being like, you have to do this. He was really delicate about making suggestions about what would probably go well, mm-hmm. but also realizing that I needed to feel like I was also an authority. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a nice combo. But mm-hmm. I mean, when you're, you're new into coaching, you just want so much you don't want to have to think, oh, look, I know the answer. Yeah. But when you're new, it's really great if you can. It's great if you can look at a plan and say, look, X, Y, and Z gets me this result. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it works. And new coaches tend to fall into that category of they want this exact plan to get this exact result every time. And it, it doesn't always work. Well, um, yeah, there's just too many variables. Right. So, But when I first got into coaching, one of like, like I said, I got in as an assistant. And so one of the first things I was doing was literally just running with the kids. Yeah. The head coach would assign it. I would run with the kids. I knew how to slightly modify along the way. If a kid was dying, I'd done these workouts. First off, when I was doing the workouts at the same high school from the same head coach, Mm -hmm. I knew how to tweak along the way. Um, But I was basically running the workouts with the kids. So when I became the coach at the school I'm at now, I was running the workouts with the kids. Mm -hmm. And I was running almost every workout with the kids because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then I went from that to... Um, very mathematically assigning workouts yeah. because I'd done some research. I read, you know, Jack Daniels was mm-hmm. a good like early one. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm an engineer. This is how the numbers work out. This is the math. All I need to do is plug the numbers into the equations and these numbers should pop out at the end. Yeah. And so I was just assigning workouts based very mathematically. Oh yeah. You were like the spreadsheet king in like the first like five years of your coaching. Right. And I still have some of that because I still, I think that there's a numerical basis to it. Yeah. But now. You're definitely less. Very much more. Yeah. I, now I've got a feel for the workouts. Like here's roughly where you should be going, but you can watch a kid to work out and be like, okay, you can't hit these times anymore. And it's so hot out here that you shouldn't even be trying to hit these times. Right. Let's do this to the workout. So it's more, it went from like just assigning a workout uh, that either they did it or they didn't. So there was like mm-hmm. a pass or fail. Pass or fail, yeah. And now it's monitoring a workout and okay, this is what you should be aiming for. Oh wait, we need to adjust partway through. Let's still get something out of the workout that's, that's adding to where you're at. Mm-hmm. And that growth, I think the kids are able to see it and be like okay he's he's adjusting it helps them realize that i know what i'm talking about i think yeah, instead yeah. of i can keep you can i can beat them in a workout therefore i must know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's how do you feel about doing that virtually also like some of our clients that we have that are across the world from us like trying to to do those same things i think it's probably a little more, more challenging right it's become a lot more challenging because i've gotten to the point where i'm moving away from the numbers and i can look at someone running and i can be like okay just based off of what you're doing on during the the warm up mm-hmm. we should probably do this today yeah you know and when you give somebody a workout plan and they're several hours away from you and it's, this is the workout you're going to do on Tuesday. Hopefully you feel good. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's Sunday when you give it to them or whatever, you are hoping for as much feedback as you can from them. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, here's the workout and here's a little blurb afterwards. This is how you might want to modify Mm -hmm. given it like, but the more communication you can have, the easier it is to work with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Communication is definitely key. So I think that's it's very interesting, like your perspective on this, because you are such a fast runner. But to still see that you also 
kind of struggled and developed your own personal coaching style throughout the years? Yeah. I mean, it got to a point where I, I could not keep up with the people around me in my own running life. And so like you asked me, would you be coached by somebody who is slower than you? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure I want to run with somebody who's almost as fast as me. I find it intimidating Mm -hmm. because the last time I ran with people who were as fast as me on a regular basis, I tended to get beat a lot. Mm -hmm. So it, it calls on that, like, like weak point in my own personality of like, Hey, how is that going to feel if you start losing on a regular basis? So I'm trying to make sure that I'm fast so that I can keep beating random high school kids that I'm coaching. Like, is that really actually important to to me? Well, and it's also, you know, if you, if you surround yourself with people that are faster than you, they're going to naturally bring you up with them usually. Right. As long as you can mentally stay in it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's the combination of you want to be surrounded by plenty of fast people, but you also want to be able to, to, um, take enough easy days Mm -hmm. when you need them to be easy. Yeah. You know, you have that one also is you can do speed workouts with some people, but when it's an easy day, sometimes it's better if you go easy day on your own. Mm -hmm. So it's actually an easy day. Right. Because sometimes on the easy recovery days, if I am running with people that are faster than me then I do tend to go too fast and then that's not actually a recovery day and then that makes keeping up in the workouts harder or whatnot and so I think that a lot of people know people that I run with know that I pretty much do my own thing most of the time like there are times that I'll you know try to keep up with people but for the most part I I do I'm fine with just hanging back at my pace and whatever that paces that day if that means that I run by myself on a recovery run then so be it you know but I'll I'll do my best to really try to keep up with them during the speed workouts because I know that those are the days that it's okay to push myself to those levels like I've learned that part you know I've learned that it's okay those people are faster than me they have better race times than me they are stronger they are faster they have more running experience than me but I'm going to do my darndest to try to keep up with them in those workouts. But on the recovery days, my recovery day might need to be slower, and that's okay. And that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so continuing a little bit more on to your side of the coaching, as you were talking about running with people, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts, uh, you know, certainly on coaching the kids on our team, Yeah. Um, but also coaching other adults as they get as fast or maybe even faster than you? Yeah. Do you have a sense of like unity with them? Like we're all driving forward together. Mm-hmm. Like what, where do you, where do you kind of fall on this guy? Um, so I think this is the good time to kind of bring up the imposter syndrome, which yes. I think that. Yes. Can you explain that? Absolutely. So this is something that I've learned in my personal development quest and, and learning about business and just personal development, being a better person and going out, putting ourselves out there, like with this podcast and everything that we've been doing and learning. And so there's this thing that basically is called the imposter syndrome. And it is one of those things that's like, well, why me? Like, why would anyone listen to me? Why would anyone want to follow me? Why, you know, I'm not an authority on this. Like, Oh it's, yeah, no, it's... I've never felt that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that most people have felt this at some point in their lives, especially anyone building a business, especially an online business where you are having to put yourself out there in social media now with photos and videos and you basically allow yourself to be scrutinized and there are wonderful people out there and then there are sometimes not the nicest people out there that (laughs) question your credentials or that question your point of view and you know like I think a lot of people have learned with the internet there's a lot of trolls out there that just 
really just try to knock people down. Yes. That's that's how they gain their fulfillment is just literally kicking other people down. And thank goodness we really have not experienced much of that at all. No. You know, which, which is good because it would have been much harder for me to continue forward if there had been a lot of negative pushback. Um, so thank goodness. I, I think years of teaching in the classroom, I'm so like numb to the pushback from people that I'm trying to teach and educate. Are you? <laughs> and sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes it, it what about really catches me. Like it's one thing from coming from like kids that are younger than you. It's another right. thing I think coming from your peers. Yeah, very much so. So anyway, this whole imposter syndrome is basically the whole idea of, you know, why would people listen to me? Why am I an authority on this? What, you know, you know, there's one of these things that like almost every single person that I've listened to that's now, you know, millionaires and billionaires and have built successful businesses have gone through this in some form at some point in time. And I think that that's definitely something that I struggle with or, you know, I'm definitely better at it now, but it's definitely something that was on my mind. I didn't know what it was called, you know, but when I started coaching um, the cross country kids, like I said before, I didn't even consider myself like a runner. Like, I mean, I did at at that point in time, I'd considered myself a runner, but I was still caught in the fact that like, I wasn't a runner when I was in high school. Like I wasn't, you know, I've never coached runners before. So like what uh, made me the authority? And I think that I gained some of my confidence through my background in physical therapy because I knew that I knew the, I knew the human body. Um, I know the human body very well. I know how to to do strength training and injury prevention and all these things. And so I really tried to focus on those strengths and that as part of my role in coaching and left a lot of the quote unquote running coaching up to you. You know, I, I defaulted to you a lot when it came to that kind of stuff. And then over the last few years, I have been building up more of that confidence because I know the information, a lot of it. Like you still... Like I said before, you still have more running knowledge than I do. Um, I just have more miles. Miles, but also, you know, just knowledge about the sport and, and coaching the sport. Like, you just, you do. You have more experience and knowledge than I do. Um, and so I love to learn from you. And that's part of why I ask you so many things in regards to my training. And I do question you when it comes to the kids training as well, like the cross country team. But there's also times where you'll ask me a question and I'll be like, well, I do it for this. So from like a physiology standpoint, can you explain whether what I'm doing actually makes sense? Yeah. And we're, we're able to have that sort of back and forth a little bit, which is nice. Which is really nice. And so I think that I just kind of was focusing a lot on my strengths as far as that goes. And then and um, there was when I first started coaching the kids that the majority of the team was faster than me. And then I started to get faster and I started to question my ability and started to see kind of what I was capable of. And that made me feel more confident as their coach. Also, when I realized that I was now on the girls varsity team, <laughs> like my time, helpful. you know, my time would qualify me to be on girls varsity Um, I did feel a lot more comfortable at that point in time. So getting faster personally definitely helped my confidence as a coach. So then you just as a coach were exuding the confidence. Mm -hmm. And because you exude the confidence, then the kids have more buy-in because you are sort of speaking as an authority figure. It's not that you needed to be faster, but somehow that, that... drop in your your 5k PR gave you this sense that you could speak with the authority right but if you just rolled in on day one speaking with that authority right. they still would have given you the respect they would have because no one has ever once asked me my times 
Like on the team. No. Like no one's ever asked me like, how fast are you, coach? Like, no, people ask me. Yeah, because everyone knows how fast kinda, you are. kind of curious. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that you're super fast. And so I, then you tell I them. I just got a text message the other day asking what, yeah. what a PR was. Yeah, and you, uh, you know, you tell them and everyone's jaws drop. And, you know, so that, that I think is more of a fascination than anything else. Yes, I'm literally just the curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> huh, interesting. Wow. So... I do, I do find that interesting that, but it, that was my own personal, um, holdup. I think that w- when I entered as, as a coach, I did lack the confidence in myself as the authority. And then I find it interesting that getting faster did help to give me more confidence. And I think that that's probably a combination of both of my speed and then also of just more time running, more experience as a runner, going through those races, understanding that, you know, so I've completed multiple half marathons now. None of our kids have done that. Right. You know, so I do have a level of knowledge and experience that does definitely surpass pretty much all of our runners on the team now because most of them don't start running until they enter high school. Right. You know, so at most, these kids have four years by the time they're a senior. Yeah, I hate to kind of spin things on you, but they probably have more 5K races than you do. Probably. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) considering they do how many races per season. Exactly, they get like 10 10 to 12, depending on which kid. Yeah. Um, And that adds up quick. It does, but I think that... You know, as a runner, as an athlete, because there there are some coaches that we um, coach against that aren't runners. You know that they're right. just they're just thrown into coach cross country because that school didn't have a coach. Yes, very and much. And so. I think that as a, like being a runner, like you can understand, like even if these kids are running faster than me, they're still pushing themselves to their limits, and I know what that feels like because even though I don't have the same speed as they do, that I still know what that feeling is to push myself to that point I I know that pain which I think does a really nice job of transitioning to our next point is what does it look like from the athlete perspective Mm -hmm. we've both seen this is um well you and I have very different PRs and Mm -hmm. you know you suggest that I I could be your coach because I am faster than you you could also be my coach because you've been in that arena where you know what it's like to push to a certain level Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter whether you're running like a five minute mile, an eight minute mile, whatever it is. Right. If you are going all out for one mile, mm-hmm. there's a level of pain that you are familiar with. Yeah. Whatever the time says when you cross the line, going as hard as you possibly can for one mile requires uh, an acceptance of pain mm-hmm. before they say go. Right. Like you've already said, all right, this is going to be brutal. Yeah. And you know it. And, and everybody's sort of familiar with that feeling. Mm-hmm. If you've raced a 5k not completed a 5k but full-blown raced a 5k hit the one mile mark and thought to yourself wow two to go this should get ugly yeah (laughs) that's racing a 5k if you've been in that world whatever the time is when you cross the line you've raced it so as an athlete if i can look at somebody and be like okay i know they've raced it Mm -hmm. maybe i can run it faster than them maybe not but if i know that they've raced it they they know that same feeling they know what that burn in the legs is they yeah. know where you're kind of getting hazy in the eyes a little bit. Then I, when they're yelling at me down the final straightaway, because this one always cracks me up, is mm-hmm. the coaches that aren't runners yeah. that are yelling at their kids down the final straightaway, mm-hmm. quarter mile to go. And I'm looking at it like, that's about 100 meters. And your kid looks like they're going to pass out. And they're screaming, quarter mile, all in. I'm like, 
first off, they're giving you everything they can right now. Right. Secondly, have you ever run three miles of a 5K and then tried to sprint at the finish line? Because if you haven't, there's a pain that you're not familiar with. So just standing there jumping up and down saying, run faster is just not going to work. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree. I think that when your athletes know that you have been in the trenches, even if it's not at the same speed, like they are going to respect your opinion and your advice much more. Yeah. They're it, gonna, it's skin in the game. It's skin in the game. Yeah. It's totally skin in the game. And just knowing that your coach has been there, has experienced that same pain, that same struggle, those same side stitches that like to oh, yeah. rear their ugly head and, and you have fought through them and and gotten through them. And, you know, maybe that means that you didn't get your PR that day, no matter how how hard you pushed. Like, they know that disappointment also. Yeah. I mean, there's a spot at the the state meet with, I don't know, about three quarters of a mile to go where suddenly it ramps up a hill. They have to climb this hill, and then it's about a third of a mile downhill to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And part of that downhill is like a legit downhill. Yeah. Like, you have to control yourself on that. I see him at the base of the hill and I can make eye contact with them and scream I know it hurts and I need you to go faster and they accept that when I say I know it hurts I'm not I'm not just standing here making it up yeah I know it hurts and I still need you to go faster yeah and they're and some of them will throw back a look like this is what I've got and some of them will be like okay yeah yeah. I'll They'll go. Give you that I'll one, go as much as I can. That one nod. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, the, you say faster. Okay. If yeah. you think I can go faster than this, and then there's other kids where you can see them at the base of the hill, and you're just like, "You've got this. Stay with this group. Roll with them up the hill, and then we'll see what you have on the kick." And because, like, I'm not screaming the same thing to every kid at the base of the hill. Yeah. And they'll talk to each other after races. They're like, "Did coach say this to you?" Like, no. And and mm. they'll come up, and I've had them ask me, "How come you didn't tell me to kick it up the hill?" And I'm like, "I saw you." If I asked you to kick it up the hill, you would not have made it to the finish line. Mm. I needed you to hang in that pack and and get to the top of the hill. Yeah. I needed them to go past another 20 spaces because yeah. they were sitting too comfortable. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait, you knew that? I'm like, yes. Yes, I did. Like, I can sense that. I've been there. I felt that pain. And, yeah. and so then you don't just seem like... And you've also watched them throughout watched the season. And I've watched all season long. You know, all season long. When this is race 12. Right. You are <laughs> running around. Like, you are that guy. Like, you guys should see him on a cross-country course. <laughs> course it is phenomenal like all of the parents on our team love this man they adore him so much because he wears this bright yellow neon hat and he just sprints from place to place like you never see kevin walking on a cross-country course like what as soon as that gun goes off he is sprinting out to the mile mark He's at the mile mark. He's calling out everybody's times. As soon as the last athlete goes, he is then sprinting to the two-mile mark so that he can get everyone splits, and he is yelling, and the coaches just adore him because they understand that he's all in. You know, and the athletes, they understand that you're all in, that you're going to be there. And they always ask us before, and they're like, coach is going to be there, right? Like, coach, where are you going to be? Like, and I'll be, you know, I'll tell them where I'm going to be. And then they're like, and then, and then coach Brown's going to be here. Right. And I'm like, yep, he'll be there. You know, like, and they know that and they need that, you know, they need to see you there. And so then you've been at all these different points in all of their races all season long. So you've seen their faces, you've seen their pain, their struggle. So you can tell by the end of the season, how they're doing, how they're feeling in that race, just based on the way they look. Right. And yeah. 
And like I, I, I can get it. And then over the course of the season, you're trying to build the confidence that I don't have to be at all of those places, yeah. which is a very new thing for me. Right. For a long time, I'm like, no, I have to be here. I have to be here. The runners are counting on me. Mm-hmm. Nope. No, if the runners are only getting to the finish line because I'm able to yell at them at the mile and the two mile and with a quarter mile to go, then I didn't do a good job over the course of the season. Yeah, they shouldn't have to depend on you. Like, I should be able to stand at the starting line and say, all right, let's go for it. You've got this today. And then wait for them at the finish. Mm -hmm. Because it's completely in them. Yeah. Like, you build that mental just growth over the years so that they're so tough Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter what the course throws at them and it doesn't matter if I'm standing there cheering them on or not because my cheering is very little effect on what's going to happen on that day. Mm -hmm. What has been growing in their mind all season long Mm -hmm. that says, no, you're capable of this today and I don't care what gets thrown at you. I don't care if that hill suddenly magically doubles in size. This is inside of you and you know it. And that's what I try and put out there on the starting line Mm -hmm. of like, look, I'll try and be around on the course, but I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to make it to anywhere. Yeah. So I'm not sure how many times I'm going to see you, but you know what you are capable of and you know that this is the last race of the season. So when you cross that finish line, I'm not going to ask you how fast you went. I'm not going to ask you, you know, any of these questions because it doesn't matter what the time is. I'm going to ask you, did you give what you could give that day? Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. And you know, if the answer is, if the answer is yes, way to go. You crushed it. Well, was it a PR? No. Yes. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Were you able to give it everything you could that day? Because that's all I want out of you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a hard question to answer as a runner too, because I feel like as soon as you cross that finish line, even if (laughs) you hit a PR, you always question whether or not you could have gone a little bit faster. And and no matter what that PR is. And then you start replaying replaying it in your mind. And you're like, well, maybe if I pushed a little bit here when I started to slack off a bit, you know – then what, what then what would have happened? You oh, know, if like I you just pushed this backstretch, I could have dropped five seconds. Yeah, yeah. but if you push that backstretch, would you have had enough on the hill? Right. Would you have had the same kick? Yeah. And it, you can never do it. But every you runner at question. every level crosses the finish line and is like, oh man, I probably could have pulled another 30 seconds out of somewhere. <laughs> 30 seconds. But it depends on the race. I'm, yeah. I was literally just thinking on uh, on the um, marathon because Bernard Lagat just set the U.S. Yes. Masters record yes. in 2-12-10, yeah. which puts him third. In his family. It's amazing. So he now has the master's record in every single distance from the one mile to the marathon. Yeah. That's incredible. And he answered that he missed his goal on the day. Set the U.S. master's record and was disappointed because he missed his goal on the day. And you're like, what What possible goal did you have on the day? Yeah. And he goes, well, I'm still third in my family because he's got one brother that's two seconds faster than him and another brother that's one second faster than him. So, you know, so over he the has to run of, another one. Right. Well, this is also only his second one ever. Yeah. Like he finished his like, I think he tweeted it and he finished it with something about maybe I'm getting the hang of this marathon thing. <laughs> After two. <laughs> After two. Um, he is an incredible athlete. And has a phenomenal smile. Um, he does. <laughs> he really does. It's, yeah, it's very genuine. Um, but over the course of 26.2 miles, to have missed your brother's PR by two seconds, Oof. you know that bites. Oh, yeah. That, you know that's stinging inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely two seconds somewhere. Somewhere on the yeah. course, there were two there seconds. There was definitely that you two left seconds somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, so I do think that you know the athlete buy-in, you know that whole idea of of your athlete 
um, accepting you as an authority figure or you as the runner, like for you to have confidence in your coach. I think that it's less important what their numbers are, like what the exact PRs are, um, and more important that you know that they have been there. They've been in the trenches. They know the pain. They know the struggle. They know the triumphs. You yes. know, they know the highs and they know the lows. And a lot of times those come sometimes even in the same race. In the same race. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> depending on the race, like they can, you know. And, and so to know that and to be able to – share that bond with them, I think is a huge thing, you know? So then the question then is still, you know, do you feel comfortable coaching someone faster than you? Or do you as an athlete feel comfortable having a coach that's slower than you? Um, and that's really where we kind of started the episode. Right. And I think a big part of it is like you said, that the coach has been there, but there's a huge aspect that is literally the connection between coach and athlete. Mm -hmm. Like we've got a, another coach that, that we coach up against. He's a basketball coach yeah. who also coaches the cross country team, mm -hmm. but basketball is by far his passion. Yeah. But the guy runs, mm -hmm. he and his wife go out and run all yeah, the time. I've seen I see him. him all the time. Yeah. And he's a pretty solid runner on his own, mm -hmm. but basketball is his passion. But what his true passion is, is coaching kids. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Whether it's on the basketball Regardless court. Regardless of the sport. Exactly. It does not matter what the sport is. Yeah. His passion is coaching kids to get the best out of themselves. Yeah. He gets the kids to buy into him because he cares about their success. Yeah. So um, when I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay, so if you had a coach who you who was faster than you, and then you get to a point where you're now faster than them, mm -hmm. do you have to then get a new coach because you got too fast for them? Yeah. Is it, well, no, probably not because you've got such a buy-in, such a connection mm -hmm. to that coach yeah. on such a personal level that you grew with them as an athlete. They grew with you as a coach. Mm -hmm. They know your strengths and weaknesses. Not only have they seen the, the highs and lows in their own personal races, mm -hmm. but they've seen your highs and lows. You've grown together. And so there's a point where it's sort of like, why would I ever want someone besides that coach? Yeah, Like I'm going to have to then that the new coach is going to have to learn me as a human, not just me as a runner. Not like they read my PRs. They've read this coaching manual, plug it in. Mm -hmm. It's not a robot. Like these are people. So the, the personal relationship is a huge aspect to this. For sure. Absolutely. And I think it's so interesting because I was like when I was earlier on in my personal development and, and one of the mentors that I was learning from and, and taking courses from, she said, um, that she wants to see her students exceed her. Like she wants her students to surpass her in their level of success. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's very interesting, you know, like, cause then if you're coaching someone, like, why would you want them to be better than you? And I thought about it. Why would they ever it, keep paying you as their coach? Right, exactly. That was kind of, because I think that part of that is because I come from a very competitive mindset, you know, growing up as an athlete on team sports and, and those kinds of things, like even, you know, as running, like it's a competitive thing. Like you see people as competition and, it, it, it caused me to just do a double take and reframe my mindset is I'm not competing against these people. Like these people that I'm coaching, 
even if they're faster than me, I'm not competing against them. <laughs> yes, yes, very so, good point. So, you know, they're com- we're all competing against ourselves, especially as runners. Like, we are competing against ourselves. The same thing, like, in business. Like, you're not competing against other businesses that do the same thing as you. You're just competing against yourself to, like, not procrastinate, to do the work, like, <laughs> to get yourself out there, to, to do all of that because – if you do that, then the right people will find you. Yes, very you know, much so. Like you're going to attract different people than the business next door Like because you are two different businesses. You're, you don't do things the same way. And so that was one of the, the most interesting things and such a shift of, of like my mindset frame, um, both with coaching and with business is like, let's collaborate. You know, we don't, it, it doesn't need to be competition. Like we should all be working together to to raise up together you know to you help me I help you we raise together like let's raise everybody you know and so I think that that is a really a huge shift in me that I I think that I still do hesitate slightly if there is an athlete that is faster than me like I usually would default to you and that's the nice thing about having both of us us. you know as as coaching you know the the runners that we coach and, and our clients and all of that is that you're pretty much faster than everybody, which is great. I mean, unless we're talking about elites here. We can talk about my own fear of that one. Yeah, which which we will. But I think that understanding that mindset of we're here, we're both in here, we're both in this together. I understand what you're going through. You get me. And then like you said, you're trying to make them a better person and a better runner. And that's what running can do for us. That's our whole philosophy is that running makes us better human beings. So if we can get to the core of that, then that's that's what I, I want to coach. I want to coach that person regardless of what their time is on the clock. Yes. Yes, you want somebody that's fully invested, that's right. looking for the best of themselves in in life and in running. Like mm-hmm. someone who really just wants to see how how deep can I dig? Yeah. How, what is this? So like mm-hmm. if I just keep polishing, how good does this get? Yeah, because quite frankly, there are a lot of people that are naturally better runners than I am. Like I know that. Like my body type, like I'm not built like you. Like you are you know, slender, you are, we're not going to talk about a runner's body because I believe that if you're a runner, then you have a runner's body. But I think that there are, genetically speaking, there are some people that are built to go faster. There are some people that are built to go longer. There are, you know, and, and all of that can be learned and all of that can be built. You can always improve from where you are. Right, but if you look but, on like at the Olympic level, right. the people standing on the starting line of the marathon all look physically similar to each exactly. other. Exactly. Like there's a there's a exactly. look. And the fifteen hundred has a different look to it. You're not gonna see me towing the line at, at the Olympic trials. Like it's just not gonna happen. And I'm totally cool with that. Like I am totally cool with that. Um but so I can honestly say now, like the people that we coach or that I coach, like I do want them to get better than me, especially if, if they're genetically built that way, you know, because I understand that I am pushing myself. I am getting faster. I don't know what I'm capable of. And I'm, I'm curious to find out. It's fun to, to still have a question mark yeah, by the ceiling. Which is cool. But there are people that are going to progress faster than I am because genetically speaking, the way that their muscle fibers are and they might just be built more for running than I am or like t- to be a faster runner than I am and that's great. And it's our job 
to guide them to reach that potential without getting hurt. Yes. You know, I mean, and, and I, I know tons about that. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. If the task so is good with that, get everybody around you as fast as possible right. in with the, the least chance of injury. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well I, I can do that. Totally. Like, like it, then it doesn't matter if you're faster than me, mm-hmm. if I'm faster than you, the goal is simply to get you as fast as possible. Right. And I don't have to be faster than you to get you as fast as you can possibly be. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, just definitely, so what about you and coaching someone on a... Well, hold on. I want to, oh, on the, okay. that same idea that you just had there yeah. of um, you want the, you know, your clients or who you're coaching or whatever it is to surpass you. Sure. Um, kind of parallel, parallels nicely with parenting. Mm, yes. Of don't you want your kids to be more successful than you are? Absolutely. And I've told, <laughs> I've told the girls that before. Very much. And they get very confused. Like the first so couple confused. times you said it, they're like, what, what, huh? Yeah. And when you go through and explain it to them, yeah. like, no, I want much greater success out of you yeah. than was ever possible for me. Right. And I tell this to my, my girls all the time, like our girls, I shouldn't say my girls. <laughs> Um, I tell this to our girls all the time is like, I've made this mistake. Like I know exactly what you're going through right now because I did it. Like I was there, I made that mistake and I'm trying to help teach you so that you don't have to go down the same path that I did. Like you, it, you can be a little bit easier for you because you can learn from my experience. Right. It's that combo of like, I, you're going to make errors along the way, totally. but you don't have to go so far down this bad path. Right. Like I don't, that's they're the, always going to make mistakes. Right. But the term yeah. out there of like the snowplow parent, that's just going to make the path as, as smooth as possible for no. their kids. So they can just walk with, with no problems. No. Like, no, 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 you're going to make errors. You're going to trip and yes. fall. But when you start heading down that bad direction, I've been that path. Mm-hmm. Hey, Hey, U turn soon. Yeah. Let's come back over here yeah. a little bit. Let's U turn or let's veer off this way sooner than I did. Yes, sooner than I did. Yeah. Like, yes, you can still have errors and, and pitfalls along the way. It's not going to be a perfectly smooth, steady path, but let's let's have a little bit of guidance along the way. But I think that it, that's also empowering them. Yes. I think that's the key is like, you know, the snowplow parents like you're talking about, those are the parents that like meet with the teachers and go talk to the principal and try to like just clear the path so that the kid doesn't have to encounter any of that. Right. Like the path, the choice that I make is to empower our kids to have those conversations not yes. that I'm going to have them for them. Like this is what I learned. This is this is the lessons, you know, this is what you you should do, but I don't go do it for them. So they still get to make the decision. Yeah, and they still have to deal with some of the hard issues of yeah. talking to people and having meetings that are, are uncomfortable. Right. I mean, I've been in plenty of these parent-teacher conversations, parent-teacher conferences, mm-hmm. where it's like parents and the teachers and a school counselor and maybe an administrator and the student. And the student sits there silent in the corner the entire time yeah. while their parents run the meeting. And the teachers then sit there as though they're being scolded. Mm-hmm. Like, that, this is an awkward meeting. Right. Everything should be centered around the kid. Yeah. Just like in coaching, everything should be centered around the athlete, not the coach's perspective on this. Mm-hmm. This is not a coach that has to have things run a certain way. Everything should be athlete-centered or student-centered or whatever it is because the goal is for the product to get as high as possible, whether it's a student raising their grade, whether it's an athlete getting as fast as they possibly can, whatever it is, it should be centered on, on that goal. Yeah. Not, not the coach feeling good about themselves at the end of the day. And, and all that all comes down to empowering that person. Empower them. And that's the coach's job. Right. You know, the coach's job is not to do everything for the athlete. The coach's job is to empower the athlete to realize that it's 
inside themselves. Right. So when you talked about coaching people, even though they're not here, even if I can't see them like remotely yeah. online coaching people, it's really changed the way that I can coach in person mm-hmm. because it's really made me see that empowering them yes. is huge. So huge. Because that's what you have to do when right. you're not in like physically interacting with people is mm-hmm. you have to say, look, there, here's the workout. Here's, here's probable lessons. Here's yeah. probable downfalls. Mm-hmm. Let's gain some things from this yeah. and, and communicate about what went well, what didn't. So that when that rises back up in a race, you know that you've got this, mm-hmm. you've built the mental uh, facilities, the coping mechanisms, whatever it is, you've got the ability inside of you. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is a, a great put place to put a little plug in for our new membership coaching program that we've got great. going. So, I mean, if you guys like what you've been hearing this episode, then you're, you kind of have an idea of how we would be as your coaches. And we are coming up with a new membership program at the end of the summer, and we are so excited about it. And it's going to do all of these things. It's going to teach you. It's going to educate you on how to become a better runner. It's going to teach you all of these mental strategies and um, cycling your training and the gear that you need to to wear. Not need to, but the good stuff that would be to helpful. do. The helpful things, right? Where it's going to teach you about strength training. It's going to teach you about mobility work. It's going it's going to go through all of it. And it is so comprehensive. It's going to teach you and there's so much in there about mindset and the mental strategies, the mental toughness to make you into a better runner. And but so, all nicely laid out in a pretty easy to follow roadmap also. Easy to follow roadmap, right? It's not just like a ton of lessons that are just get vomited on you. Like it's just... <laughs> <laughs> that seems really useless. <laughs> yeah. It, there is a, a structure. There is a plan. There is an order that you can go through all of these things. And so we are going to be launching this in August of this year. And we just hope that this is something that um, you are going to find great, great value in. So you can go over to the website, realliferunners.com, sign up to be on our email list, and you will be the first ones to know when this gets released. Perfect. So back to you. So let's, so getting back to how you feel about coaching people that are faster than you, like if you were to coach on a collegiate or an elite level. Okay. So like I can definitely coach the high school level. I've done it. I'm comfortable with it. When I first started, I don't know if I could, would have felt comfortable at all coaching on a collegiate level. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like I've got enough experience under, under coaching that if I had a whole team of kids that could all crush me, I feel like I would still have the confidence to be able to coach them. Yeah. And then you asked me, okay, so you've got that. What if you had people that were on like a professional level? Would you have that? And I got, I like, I kind of pulled back a little bit like, ooh, I could do coaching because that's only one level up from high school. But what about if I had like you a- mean college. Or yeah, on a, on a collegiate level, that's one up from high school. But what about like pro or semi-pro? That's like multiple levels up. I don't know if I could handle that anymore. Yeah. It's like, well- why not? It's still just the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like coaching is still very much this mental aspect and yeah. whatever the time is, you need, you need this connection on a personal level between athlete and coach. Mm-hmm. You need the mental toughness, the skills. Like there are certain things that I would not be comfortable coaching right now. Like I would not be comfortable trying to coach somebody through like an ultra. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never done it. Right. I don't know the, the background philosophy in it. Yeah. But if I had somebody that we'd been coaching for a while that was like, I'd like your help guiding me through training for an ultra, mm-hmm. and we'd been coaching that person for a while, yeah. I think I could do it. Mm-hmm. Because it'd sort of be like, okay, this is where, what I've got. I know how to coach. I know how to run a marathon. I know how to, I know you as a person. 
I can figure out how to coach an ultra and we can work together Mm -hmm. and get you to the best position you can be to get there. I've never done it. I don't have the experience, but hey, let's give this thing a shot. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of the same level of like, I've never hit this certain time for a 5k. Like if I'm coaching a collegiate guy and they're trying to hit like, you know, 14 something for a 5k, I have not personally done that, Mm -hmm. but I've got enough experience and enough knowledge that I can be like, look, this should get you there. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see. Let's start stacking some workouts. Let's build some consistency and see where we can get to. Right. And I think that it also is very important to note that like you and I are the kind of people that educate ourselves constantly. Always. And so even if there's something that you don't know, you're going to read about it and you're going to educate yourself and you're going to figure it out. You know, because there there would probably be someone else better suited to coach someone through an ultra than you Very or than so. me, right? Totally. Like it, it's, it, there just are better coaches out there. And we would be upfront with that person and say, like, look, I've never done this before. Which I would not have been able to have the confidence to do yeah. a decade ago. That's the difference yeah. is I now have enough confidence in myself. You don't have to fake it anymore. I have enough confidence to say, I don't know the answer to yeah. that. Right. I will help. I will do my best and, and try to figure it out. But I'm probably not the best person to do this right now. Right. I know yeah. you as an athlete and I will f- do my best to figure out how to get you into the best possible position. Right. I might not be your number one coach. There are mm-hmm. probably people who have a lot more experience coaching ultras, running ultras, whatever it is. Right. You know, maybe there's someone who has run 14 flat for a 5k that has more experience of coaching people who have run 14 for a 5k mm-hmm. they might have greater experience than i do but yeah maybe you know I, th- I feel like an ultra is different though because it's like there's so much involved with the fueling and with the distance and terrain and there's so much other stuff involved that i think you would just have to go into it as like okay like i don't know i will do my best and we have to s- consider this as an experiment But isn't that kind of the point of all coaching? Whether you're trying to run an ultra or you're trying to break 30 minutes for a 5K. It's an experiment. Every workout is simply an experiment. Maybe this athlete does best with more speed oriented. Maybe Mm -hmm. they do best with one workout a week. Maybe they do better with a long run every other week. Or they need two speed workouts a week and their body can only handle a long run once a month. You you have to know the athlete Mm -hmm. and what works best for them. What they... what makes them thrive what really makes them like feel like they're they're kicking it like crushing it as an athlete and then know their weaknesses and adjust and try and fix those weaknesses Mm -hmm. and try and add those to the strength category but you can't go at their weakness every single day because it'll just mentally destroy them right so you need that balance because ultimately consistency wins and that's the beautiful thing about coaching people a long term yes you know like coaching people for multiple seasons multiple years like like you said you learn that athlete you learn what they respond best to because you throw certain things at them you throw certain you know a certain sequence of workouts at them and like you you can't just coach somebody for three months and then expect the best results and then you know voila we're done and (laughs) I'll, I'll catch you again in my next race cycle like to to really coach someone and develop as an athlete and as a runner like you need to be coaching them consistently for a period of time not just 
one 12 week half marathon plan and then another one the next year exactly i mean and that's i mean it works but it does not work as well as as on the goal though like and and we are our Uh, goal yes which we have not touched yet it completely depends on the goal the goal and our goal is to, to develop people as as runners and as people like to, to, to allow them to pull the lessons out of running to then apply to their real life and then use the strengths that they have from real life to then apply to their running. And, and you can't that, do that in 12 weeks. No, on that you need the, the constant just day after day, year after year, yes. which is, I mean, that's literally the point of why we made this membership plan is yeah. because you can get people who are then part of, you know, us as coaches, but just uh, this whole running community around them, mm-hmm. asking questions, trying to continue to improve, but then right. still supporting each other. Cause you know, there's parts of training mm-hmm. that are dull and you, where you're grinding it out and yeah. you don't want to go out and, and then poof, you flip the next day and everything's, you know, sunshine and rainbows mm-hmm. and it's great, but you, you need the people around you so that you can not just keep on running, yeah. but keep on running and growing as a runner mm-hmm. and keep on growing as a person and that is the consistent like perpetual coach that's why i mean i coach seniors way better than i coach freshmen and it's not just that i like seniors better but four years later i know how this kid works yeah exactly and shout out to our facebook tribe so thank you guys Uh, like our facebook tribe on face our facebook tribe facebook Facebook. tribe on facebook (laughs) that's generally where we keep it generally where it is um if you guys aren't a part of our tribe, you got to go request access. Again, realliferunners.com. You can request access to our Facebook group in there. It is such a fun group, and the action lately has just been so great. Like, So thank you, everybody, for being in a part of our tribe, for participating, for asking questions, for answering each other questions each other's questions for supporting each other it's been so fun to see this grow into this really supportive running community that is all around the world it's it's really cool so i think that we should wrap this up um, yeah we've pushed an hour here yeah this is a really long episode for us it's our, this is definitely our longest episode definitely. ever we've never broken an hour so i think that the key is that you know to keep in mind the, that mental toughness that's required as a runner and Top coaches, you know, we, I shouldn't say we, putting myself into a top coach. Elite coaches elite like coaches us. coaches like us. Coaches. That's also how they all talk. Yeah. All, <laughs> all coaches, like if you're, if you're a good coach, you're going to read and you're going to read about not only training, but philosophy and personal development and mental toughness and strategies and all of that. Like, I mean, all the top coaches on the professional level, they quote philosophers all the time. All the time. Yes, they know all of the like the the classic running stuff. They keep up with the latest research on, in terms of like running and sports and nutrition and stuff like that. But if you ask them like, what's the greatest coaching book that you've ever read? Mm-hmm. Most of them will cite philosophers. Yeah. Most of them will be, you know, this thing from Socrates, this stuff, like like old school philosophy stuff. Like that's where I learned my greatest lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is phenomenal. Which is phenomenal. And that is just, you know, further proof that you coach the person and not just the feet. Yeah. You know, you're not just coaching feet and with a watch. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot more, there's a lot more between the ears than, yeah. than on the road. So, so then what's the answer? Do you, should your coach be faster than you? 
Mm, no, you can have a, you, you just need to connect to the coach. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is it doesn't matter how fast you or the coach is. It matters that both of you care about each other mm-hmm. and the goal that you're striving towards. Absolutely. I could, I couldn't have said it better myself. So on that note, we will wrap this up. Please go check out our website, realliferunners.com for today's show notes, for the links that to, to some of the products that we love and that we recommend and also for the Facebook tribe and to join our mailing list so that you guys can know when our new membership program will be launching this summer. So this has been the Real Life Runners podcast episode number 96. Now get out there and run your life. <laughs>